Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest, but first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. International Coffee Farms grows and sells specialty coffee in Boquete, Panama. They now have 11 fully operational coffee farms and they are 100% sold out. They are accepting reservations for farm number 12. If the idea of owning a safe, diversified offshore investment is intriguing to you, check out International Coffee Farms at internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back here on the weekend edition. We have a great guest today. Today we're talking about affordable housing and representing Action Logement. We have Marie-José Houle, the executive director of that organization, all talking about affordable housing. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. So, Marie-José, your organization was created specifically to advocate for affordable housing here in the province of Ontario. Maybe give us a little bit of the background and even how you got into this particular line of work. To be quite honest, I moved to Ottawa after having finished a, a master's degree in sociology and social anthropology um, on the heels of an environmental science degree. And I'm bilingual and I thought I would be able to find a government job. <laughs> and it didn't quite work out. I ended up working as an administrative assistant in the co-op housing sector and it grew from there. Uh, from there, I uh, worked on property management in uh nonprofit housing corporations and in housing co-ops in Ontario and then I got into the development game and I became a partner in a firm that developed housing co-ops and nonprofits in in Ottawa mostly but uh, we did put in some proposals in Thunder Bay and work with some groups and then I became an executive director for a nonprofit housing corporation one of the mid-sized ones in the city and then about a year and a half ago, almost two years, I was picked up by Action Legemain as their executive director. And I kind of crossed the floor. Uh, Action Legemain advocates for tenants' rights in Ontario, um, well, specifically in, in the Ottawa region. And um, so it's given me a huge perspective of the housing and homelessness issue in Ottawa and a little bit further, I think. So it's been, a, it's been an interesting career, a totally unintended I have no idea how I ended up here, but it's a passion. I love that. We often hear people beating the drum about the need for more affordable housing. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of compression that's occurring societally where inflation is perhaps running a little higher than the government is willing to admit. Salaries are not raising quite as much as they have in the past. And so really the middle class is getting pushed down and the working class is getting pushed down. And there is compression happening. There's no question about it. What are the main issues from your perspective? From my perspective, I think um, superficially I can say that scarcity is a big issue, that people uh, don't have very many options. There's been a whole lot of pressure on the rental uh, market lately, um, I think, and and we have issues of scarcity there. And I know that the governments have been trying to stimulate the construction of, of new rental accommodation, but the rental accommodation or the rental, the private sector has not really kept up within uh, the population growth uh, since the 90s. You know, in the 90s is when we started having interest uh, rate drop and so that a lot of people that were renting could could finally afford 
to purchase their own home. So they got into the mortgage game. And, um, and consequently, as at the same time, the affordable housing investments across the country didn't keep up either. I think after the Meech Lake Accord, the provinces pretty much said, you know, federal government, we don't want you involved in, in affordable housing anymore. So each province was uh, in charge of their own federal ho- or affordable housing programs. And Ontario, unfortunately, um, went through some major austerity measures. So some provinces look better than others. Ontario was very badly hit, and um, no new affordable housing was, or practically no new affordable housing was built in the 90s, and then started up very, very, very slowly in in the 2000s. So what we've got in Ottawa, and I can speak very specifically about Ottawa, is a wait list for um, subsidized housing that is over 10,591 names long. We're telling people between 7 and 12 years before they will actually get a subsidy. So that's a crisis. And then over the last few years, Ottawa has been the city with the third highest rents in Canada. Uh, that number shifted. Uh, that landscape has changed a lot over the last year. Uh, but still, in Ottawa, we've seen the rental um, prices that are actually available on the market increase over 15% in the last year. So we're seeing uh, a lot of people uh, not being able to access the rental market. And yet the squeeze is happening more and more. We're seeing a lot of the uh, rental, the secondary housing market, the private people that purchased condos in hopes of renting them and and making uh, a profit are quite easily seduced to rent them as Airbnbs. It's more profitable, less risk, um, no tenancy rights to deal with, and also because of the stress tests that have been imposed on people trying to access uh, mortgages. I think there's a lot of people that are that had uh, over the last 20, 30 years been able to get mortgages. That demographic is no longer accessing mortgages. So all of these pressures onto the private mental rental market as well as the vacancy rate has has dropped so much, it's um, I believe it's under one percent. Um, you know, has caused this crisis. Um, most people that rent in Ottawa are paying a lot more than twenty percent in terms of poverty and um, in terms of poverty index. More than twenty percent of Ottawans who rent pay more than fifty percent of their income towards their rent. So it it is a really hard time for a lot of people. So a couple of weeks ago, shortly after the provincial government made some small tweaks to the rent control regulations, uh, you and I were both guests on CBC Radio, supposedly to be opposing viewpoints, as as uh, <laughs> journalists often like to have on to make the show interesting. What was interesting about that is that you and I were actually more in agreement than the host of the show expected. One of the big discussions about affordable housing is the need to impose rent controls, and it's all those big bad landlords that are exploiting tenants. Uh, that's not my view, and I don't think it's quite your view either. Why don't you expand on that a little bit? Well, I always feel that the landlord-tenant relationship needs to be a symbiotic one. And, you know, it helps that I, I have been a landlord. I have been the executive director of a nonprofit, and you need the relationship to work. You can't have landlords without tenants, and you can't have tenants without landlords. And they each have rights and responsibilities in that relationship. In the end, you can't provide quality, safe, long-term 
housing that remains affordable if the operating costs for the landlords keep increasing. And some of the challenges that I've found that landlords have been facing in Ontario over the last uh, many years has been especially increasing municipal tax as well as hydro costs. And those that affects the, the overhead. And so, and the income for a landlord is the rents. That needs to work. Otherwise, I think the, the first things that go is maintenance. So deferred maintenance, well, that, that really affects the long-term viability of an investment. And then tenants aren't happy. They might move out if they can, if there's anything for them to move out to. And uh, that, that is a huge challenge. Uh, in Ontario, you know, one thing that the government really could have explored is changing the impact calculation that, does, that is discriminatory towards, um, that unfairly taxes, you know, high density landlords. And, you know, so I think you and I, we talked about a lot of things that they could have explored without going to rolling back um, the rent control. Uh, the rent control was imposed, or lifting of the rent uh, control was uh, happened in the 90s. It did not do what the government had hoped it would do, which is um, compel or encourage private landlords to build more housing. I think the challenges are a lot bigger than that. The price of land is exorbitant. We've got a lot of international conglomerations that have gobbled up land and driving up the price, not just for landlords wanting to build high-density rental accommodations, but for anyone wanting to develop a, a neighborhood, a house. Um, and, and I think the impact is, is a lot bigger than we're talking about. And certainly at, at uh, the affordable housing sector in Ontario, I think the problem is, you know, a lot higher up, a lot, it's a big picture thing. Um, what I had a problem with in terms of the removal of rent control, and, and I'm going to speak to my own experience. When, when I got my first apartment, let, you know, let's be clear, we were in Alberta and the Ontario, well, I mean, the Landlord Tenant uh, Act or the Residential Tenancies Act is a provincial act. So the, the laws are different in every province. So Alberta didn't have any kind of um, rent control in place. And I lived in a three-story walk-up, and my best friend was living in a unit underneath me. And the caretaker hit on every single woman in that building. And we were rewarded with a 10% rent increase. And there was one woman who particularly did not like this man. And they were at, at war, and her rent was increased by 50%. So she was forced to move because she couldn't, she couldn't afford to live there. So first of all, there's that gross situation of the caretaker, you know, making sexual advances to us, but also um, using that power to hurt us because we didn't take him up on his offers. I'm a person who, with my organization, Advocates for Tenants' Rights, we're seeing a whole lot of discrimination quite overt lately because it is a landlord's market, and I'm really worried that, um, you know, this tool that's meant to encourage developers and landlords to build more rental accommodation would would only be used to um, circumvent uh, evictions, really circumvent the Landlord-Tenant Board and not use proper legal um, venues or avenues to, to evict people. It's just, I don't like you, uh, you've been causing me problems, we got in an argument, I don't like your pet, 
I don't like that you're gay. I don't like that you're a newcomer. I don't like this and that and the other thing. And I'm going to use this tool, this, and I'm going to increase your rent by 50% and you're going to leave because you can't afford to stay here. Or you're going to get into arrears because you can't afford the new rent and, and then you're going to be evicted. And, you know, high turnover rates hurt landlords. They really do. There's all kinds of costs associated with it. And so, and right now the landlord tenant board, it is a fair process in my opinion. I've sat on both sides of it and, and at least it's, it's not discriminatory. It doesn't give anyone any kind of unilateral power. There are laws, there are avenues, there's expectations, there's, there's, room for recourse there's room to correct any kind of behavior that's causing problems there's there's room to um, find money to pay arrears usually if someone is on Ontario Works and they have arrears if the landlord promises to keep the tenant Ontario Works will step up and pay off the arrears so landlord tenant board is has been a use uh, a tool that's been used to actually uh, stabilize some tenancies which is, in my opinion, a good thing, especially right now when people just don't have a place to go. The shelters have been full for years. The family shelters have been so full that the city has been paying for people to be living in motels. And um, in 2017, according to the Alliance and Homelessness Report on homelessness in Ottawa, you know, the city's paid on average 178 families um, motel room bills to be living there and that's no place to raise a family that's no place imagine having just a microwave to cook every day and your kids are sprawled out on the beds to do the homework um you know people are really suffering so if they can't have stable tenancy and they deserve to have one um by by the landlord tenant relationship that's defined by ontario law then you know there's there's no option for people and this is very distressing to me Sure. I think one of the things you and I both agree on is that the simply the lifting of rent controls uh, isn't going to, by in and of itself, create affordable housing. Um, all it does is it encourages, uh, it, re- it removes a disincentive. So, for example, I think we both agree that, uh, that rent controls create a situation that is unsustainable, meaning it doesn't encourage new housing stock to come into the marketplace. So if the supply gets even, it shrinks even further, that, that doesn't help anybody. Um, but none of these steps are sufficient. We're talking about uh, treating a symptom that's very, very far from the root cause, and nobody's actually addressing the root cause. That's exactly it. You know, and, and Victor, I'm, I want to, you know, I think you and I talked about some of these root causes. It's, it's big. And, you know, we looked at, um, a, we do think this can be addressed. We think that there's a lot of things that can be done to, to address it. But, you know, the cost of construction, the cost of development, uh, the, you know, acquiring land, land speculation, uh, through the roof. And, and again, um, you know, a lot of international conglomerates eating up land, sitting on land for a long time, not investing in these buildings. Timber Creek is a huge example of that. You know, people living in squalor for so many years, but at least it was a roof over their head, even though it might have leaked. But um, they could they could 
kind of afford it and it was better than living on the street. And then now we're looking at demolitions and a lot of people are being displaced. So, and, and that is um, an example of international conglomerates purchasing land, purchasing buildings, not, in, not investing in our local communities. And that's problematic because they're not there to see the consequences. They're not there to see the ghettoization of neighborhoods and the destruction of neighborhoods. Because of that, uh, Vanier is a huge point of frustration for City Councilor Matthew Fleury. I work in Vanier and I'm surrounded by these vacant units, uh, vacant uh, commercial sites, and they're all internationally owned. And I think these owners are just waiting for gentrification to, to start, and then they're going to turn around and sell the land in these derelict buildings that they haven't maintained. Um, for a fortune, and that, that's not investing in community. I think we need to get these this land and, and these um, buildings uh, back in the hands of locals um, and, and local developers, people are, who do care, people who are there to see the results of it every single day as they walk past. Well, very, very interesting perspective. If folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? They can um, call my office. Uh, we are also on the internet. Uh, our website is www.action-logement.ca, logement, L-O-G-E-M-E-N-T. And um, yeah, uh, our, our email address is on the website as well. Well, uh, Marie-José, look forward to continuing the conversation offline at some point. And for the listeners at home, I hope this gives you a bit of a different perspective from a couple of different points of view, folks uh, who are developer, myself, the host as a developer, and Marie-José speaking for a tenant advocacy group. And in the meantime, as you're thinking about that and thinking about your own landlord-tenant relationships, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.